0: The following podcast is a glimpse into the life of Ecclesia Houston. We pray it is a blessing as you seek to follow Jesus the liberating King and live in his kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven.
1: Ecclesia, would you pray with me? Creator God, we're grateful to be in this space with people who love you, friends and loved ones that uh, during the week um, we long to connect with and to see And we're grateful that you have given us this space um, as we gather together to praise you and to glorify you, to examine our hearts and our lives, to see the places where you are working amongst us and in us and through us, God. And some of us arrive here this morning uh, in places of great joy, and we celebrate all that you have done in our lives and what you are doing and the ways that we see your hand at work. And others of us, Lord, we are in a difficult season or maybe we've had a difficult week. We've faced some challenges that were unexpected And we come, God, this morning, all of us longing to hear from you and to know you, to feel your presence, to be reassured of your faithfulness to us, your love for us, your care for us. God, the security that we have in you. And God, in this moment, as we are drawn to you, would you draw us together to know that amongst the people of God lives the spirit of God. And that in our sisters and our brothers who gather with us in this place that you are active in speaking and lord would you open our hearts and open our ears to what we would hear from one another words of encouragement and love and acceptance words that bring us wholeness but god also open up our ears and our hearts to what we would hear from you and toward that end father i pray that you pour through me the gift of teaching that everything that is said in this place be by you and from you and guiding us towards you to join with you with our lives and with our eternity for your preferred future and we ask for it in Jesus name amen well it, it's good to be with you this morning um, I want to share with you uh, I was a youth minister a long time ago and every summer I would have to go on all of these little trips and when I'd get back from trips either like camps or mission trips and those sorts of things uh, my wife, Rochelle, would have watched like a bunch of movies while I was gone. And then she would insist on me watching these movies with her. And I never wanted to watch those movies with her. And I could not explain to her that there was a reason that we haven't seen those movies already. <laughs> They're terrible. Like, uh, she would watch, there was a movie, some of you remember this. Um, there was this movie that she just had to have me see called A Walk to Remember. Does you remember Walk to Remember? And she was talking about how great this movie was and how meaningful it was. And I just thought it was the most boring thing. I was like, this, is, this may be a walk to remember. This is not a movie to remember. But you've made me watch it anyway. But one year while we were gone, uh, while I was gone, she watched the movie and made me see it when I came home, when we came back. And it was a movie called I Love You, Man. And I Love You, Man, mostly she watched it because she's a really big Paul Rudd fan. I think there's a line between like fan and crush, but they're somewhere in there. And so I Love You, Man tells a story of this guy named Peter. And it starts off with Peter getting engaged to his girlfriend Zoe. Zoe. And they're planning their wedding, and Zoe has all of these friends, all of these connections. She's going to have in their wedding a maid of honor and six bridesmaids. But Peter doesn't have any friends, like none. And so they're having this gathering. Zoe's having this gathering at her house one night. And Peter sneaks in, and he hears them talking, and he decides to do this thing that I think probably a lot of fiancés would like for their future husband to do. He's going to make, for all of her friends, root beer floats. So he's in the kitchen, and he's making root beer floats, but he overhears their conversation. And what he overhears is Zoe is really worried that Peter doesn't have any friends, And it's just going to be like at the wedding, like her and her maid of honor and like six bridesmaids and nothing over on the other side. So Peter starts to examine his life, trying to determine like, why don't I have any friends? He goes, he has dinner with his parents. His parents say, well, you've never really had any friends. Like even back in high school, you never had any friends. But Peter, Peter's a real estate agent, and he's showing a house one Sunday afternoon, and he meets a guy named Sydney, and they kind of hit it off. They have a good conversation, and Sydney leaves Peter with his card, with his business card. He says, hey, if you want to get together sometime, just give me a card. But that's really difficult to do. I mean, how many of you have had the experience of trying to make friends in adulthood. Like, how weird is that? Because when you're, when you're a kid, like you go to school and your friends are kind of there, if you play football or if you're in band or whatever you're doing, like you're, you kind of have this ready-made group of people that you have to be around. And if statistics are right, most, um, most adults don't make a new friend after they have finished their last year of education, whatever that is for you. And it gets even harder to make friends after you turn 30. Like I saw someone who posted online a couple of weeks ago that Jesus's real miracle is that he had 12 good friends after 30. (laughs) That's hard to do. And study after study after study reveals that for most of us, what we feel a good bit of the time is friendless. And so I've, I've shared with other groups, and I think this is really important. Um, all of us, like when we talk to people, we say, if you, if you need something, you can call me anytime. And we say that to each other, and we mean it. A lot of us are really great at being 3 a.m. friends. Right? When something happens, something happens with our parents or our kids, we get in some emergency, like we need something, there's a whole bunch of people that we can pick up the phone and call, and they will be there to help us. What we're not so great at is being 3 p.m. friends, where you just want to pick up the phone and call somebody just to see how they're doing, see how life's going, Said, so, you know what, this was just on my mind. I just wanted to talk with somebody. I'm driving around, sitting in Houston traffic, and I just wanted to talk to somebody. So how do you make friends? How do you get connected to people? Well, maybe um, it's as awkward for you as it was for Peter. And so I just want to show you this clip of Peter trying to make friends with Sydney.
0: Yeah. Hey. Pathetic. Hey, Sydney, how you doing? It's Peter Clavin. Hey, Sydney, it's Peter Clavin. Maybe I'll be you now, so to so speak. Got some guts with you? That's yes, jeez. You break. No. Oh my god. And here I Hey, Peter. Hey, Carolyn. Sorry. Fife, you know what to do. Hey, Peter, it's Sydney Claven. No, that's not right. Oh, uh, <laughs> S- Sydney, it's Peter Claven. I, uh, met you last week at an open house and, um, I had a showing. And, uh, anyway, uh, I was wondering if you, uh, ever wanted to get together and, uh, talk about real estate uh, and whatnot or whatnot. And, hey, um, uh, I'm sorry, I forgot what I was going to say. What was I saying? Um, uh, yes, the open house and we met. Anyway, no rush. You call me back whenever you get a mo, get a uh, moment. And, um, we will talk when I talk to you. All right. I hope you're having a great day. Okay. Bye now.
1: Like how awkward, is like that's more awkward than asking a girl on your first date. Do you, does anyone remember asking someone out on the first date and how like weird that felt? Um, that's worse than that. At least it was worse than my experience was with that. And, and one of the things that, that happens in the movie is that even though Peter's really awkward, Sydney connects with him and they not only become friends, but at the end, by the time it's it's time for the wedding, that, that Peter has this new community of people. And so what I want to ask you this morning is where do you go to find community? To find relationships that are meaningful. And, and because one of my responsibilities here as, uh, as a body at Ecclesia, one of my responsibilities is to kind of oversee what happens in our small groups. I get asked all the time. One of the, the most frequent question I'm asked is how do I get connected? How do I get connected to people? And what people mean when they ask me that isn't really how they get connected. What they mean when they ask is how do I find friends? because we all intuit that we need more connection in our life, more friendship, more people who speak into us, more people who care about us and that we can care about. But it's really hard. It's very awkward, just like in that clip. And what I want to offer you, what we want to offer as a community, is not just friends, because in 2018, friendship means very little, right? Like, you get on Facebook and you have friends. Um, you've got a lot of people, people that you work with, people that uh, you're on a committee with, folks that you run into all of the time, that we use the language friend. And what we mean by that is this is a person who is convenient to be in a relationship with at this point in my life. Because when we move or something changes or we don't see them anymore, like we don't stay connected with them. So they're not really friends. But what you need, what we all need, is deep connection with other people. And you know this, we know this from the opening pages of scripture, that as God creates Adam in the garden and places him there and looks over everything that he has created, he says it's all good except that Adam's alone. And people use that verse a lot. We talk about that verse a lot in weddings. And God doesn't say the problem here is that Adam isn't married. He says he's alone, because maybe all of us at some point in life have had the experience, maybe in our marriage or in our family of origin where we came from, where there were were a lot of people around, but we still felt alone. And one of the things that will enhance your life, that will make your life meaningful and beautiful and powerful is for you to not live a life that is alone. That's in community with other people. Other people who love you and care about you. Other people who can praise you. And yes, other people who can hold you to account when you are not living up to your own stated values. I want to show you a picture. Uh, This picture is me and the guys um, who are my best friends in the world. We met over 20 years ago when we were in college together. And through the years, we have been through just about everything together. We have been through a couple's divorce, um, children born with birth defects. We've been through cancer. We've been through uh, eating disorders. Um, We have been through everything. We, We have this incredible relationship where we tell each other everything, where there are no secrets, because we have been friends too long to not know everything already. Our wives um, are very mixed about this because we know everything about everybody. So that thing in your life that only you and your spouse know, imagine if your spouse had four other friends who all knew that thing. We have one general rule for our relationships is that whenever one of us dies, Whoever lives the closest has to get to their phone and destroy it. Because we've got a 20-year text message thread with everything in it. And my friend Jeff who's standing there next to me in the blue shirt and tie, like in this picture, when when he shows this picture to people and they talk about our relationship for all of these years, he says no one would look at that picture and know what I know about it. That this was one of the worst days of my life. Because we're all there and we're all together. The reason we're all together in that picture is because we were at the funeral of Jeff's older brother. He's just four years older than him. He died early of cancer after a long battle and a difficult life. Because there's really not anything that we wouldn't do for each other. There's no place that we would go, no expense that we would go through. Because we're a community of people who are committed to one another for the rest of our lives lives, not just in a season, not just when it's convenient or when our kids were, but for the rest of our lives, which means this, um, we fight a lot together. We have called each other just about everything. We have called each other's wives just about everything. (laughs) We've healed together. We have apologized. We have done some of the stupidest stuff in the world together. And we have sat around, as we do a couple of times a year, a fire pit, and said, you know what? I don't think that these choices that you're making, what you're doing right now, I don't think that's in accord with what you say you want for your life. For most of my life, they have been my church. Because that's what community does. And your life will get exponentially better when you find a committed community of Christian people walking alongside you. Where do you go to find community? Connected is a slippery word because it means something different and all of us have different levels of what we can do at different times. but everyone needs for the flourishing of your life to be rooted in a group of people who you know, love, and trust. Do you feel like you're connected to people? Because one of the questions I think that most of us will have to ask is what happens in life when your life falls apart? What do you do when you don't know what to do anymore? Are you under the impression that you know how to do everything? Are you under the impression that you can handle everything. So we had had this little event in our house this last week. We had a really bad plumbing backup. And I, I know a little bit about plumbing, like I can fix kind of some basic toilet issues and some other things. But when it gets to be a real problem, I have to call in people who know more than I do. And this is why It is so desperately important as a community of people, as a worshiping body, for you to be in a small group. Now, you're asking yourself, like, Sean, has this just all been sort of a big wind-up to get us all in a small group? And the answer to that is yes. (laughs) But it's more than that. Because your life will be better when you find people to be committed to for the rest of your life. So even statistically, we know this. Like people who have a small group of people, uh, who are in a a small group, those people live longer than people who don't. And not only that, they live better than people who don't. And so for your life to have the full kind of flourishing that God intends for it to have— Like, this isn't something that would be nice to have. This is something that is essential to have. And it's not strange that Jesus begins his ministry. What does he do? He doesn't just go collect disciples. He collects friends, people who will be committed to the same things over the course of a lifetime. And that's why at the end of his ministry, he is able to say, like, you are not just slaves. Like, you are my friends. You are the people that I'm committed to, and you're committed to one another. That's important because something else that Jesus says that we almost always look over. Jesus says this in Luke 17. Jesus says to his disciples, you can't stop temptations to do wrong from coming. You can't stop temptations to do wrong from coming. Like, like you, may, you may wish they wouldn't come. You may hope they don't come. You may ignore them for a little while when they come. You can't stop temptations from coming. So, right now in your life, what systems, what structures, what people exist to help you handle what you cannot handle on your own? So, the way the NIV translates this, the NIV says um, things must come that will cause you to fall away. To fall away. And I've, I, I've, been in, I've been in ministry for 20 years, and there are a lot of things that are easy to fall away from. Like, you, you can fall away from coming to worship for a while. Like, that's just that's a church attendance thing. You, you can fall away from uh, belief because you have an intellectual issue. You have a problem, you've got a question that you can't answer. You, you can fall away from giving, or you can fall away from service. There are lots of things that can cause you to fall away. But do you know what's much harder to fall away from? People. People are really hard to fall away from. If you were to walk out of here today, and not come back, who here would call you? Who would check on you? Who who would want to make sure there's something going on with your your mother, your father, your kids, something going on at work? And I would bet that if we took a survey, that the people here who are in a small group, they would say, oh, yeah, I know who would call. And I know how long it would be before they called. And I know who in my life um, knows what's actually happening, who can name my kids and tell me what's happening with my parents. And those of us who aren't, well, that's just a big question mark. And one of the things, maybe one of the better practices for your faith in this season of life is to get connected to people. And I'm going to tell you something about people. And it's not that I don't love them. People are very inconvenient. People are inconvenient. They want stuff when you're busy. Conversations are not always linear or helpful. And you have, if you're like me, you just have this sort of style in life. Like what's the most efficient way to do this? And people for centuries have been inefficient. Relationships are inefficient but they are absolutely necessary for your flourishing growth and development. Because who's going to tell you what it means to be you, what it means to be the kind of person you say you want to be, if it's not people that you invited to speak into your life? All of us need people in our lives who are like family to us, but who aren't actually family to us. Because I know how we treat our family when they tell us to do stuff. When, when they speak into it, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah that's, like there's a whole lot of things that my mother has said this week that I have avoided. <laughs> everyone needs that. Because it's hard to fall away from people. And Jesus talks about this. And Jesus talks about relationships. He's just echoing what we have known and what has been taught to followers of God since the earliest days. In Ecclesiastes, the Ecclesiastes writer, writer puts it this way, in Ecclesiastes 4, two are better than one. Because a good return comes when two work together. There are going to be times in your life, in the good times, where you're going to need people who are pulling with you, and in the bad times where you're going to need people who are pulling for you. I hope this hasn't happened to everybody, but I know it's happened to some of us. Have you ever been fired? A couple times I've been fired. Not my fault. Well, one of them wasn't my fault. Like, who do you turn to? 15 years ago, I had a phone call from my friend, Chad, who was in that picture. He was working up in Kingwood and I was working over by the gallery and he says, hey, do you, do you think you could have lunch with me tomorrow? So yeah, so we met at this ridiculous little gross place called China border on 45. And his wife was pregnant and she had already had a miscarriage the year before. And we sat at this table And he said, well, we found out about uh, the baby. So this is is a disease. She has a disease. It happens like one in every 444,000. And and basically, uh, she'll be a dwarf. And he went kind of all through it. And I looked at him and said, I've got a bunch of questions which will be out of order and completely ignorant. So don't be offended by any of my questions. And we sat and talked about that. carry one another's burdens, because two are better than one. And maybe some of the exhaustion that some of us feel at any given point in life is that we have had all of this that we have been pulling around, and we have been pulling it around alone. And there's something Maybe it's cultural, maybe it's in the American psyche that tells us that everything that comes our way, that we should be able to bear that, we should be able to carry that all by ourselves. But nothing in the scriptures would suggest that that's true. When I've lost jobs or for the five years that Rochelle and I tried to have children and couldn't, it was our friends, our community who carried us through. As we sat in our small group and mother after mother after mother came up pregnant after pregnancy after pregnancy after pregnancy, then baby, 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 baby to be able to celebrate with them and for them in the same season to be able to mourn with us. it's two are better than one and maybe some of the loneliness that we feel is because we have believed the lie that we are here to do it alone. Ecclesiastes goes on. It says, if one of them falls, the other can help him up. So who's going to help you up? So I can guarantee you one thing right now, that there are people in this room who need help getting up. Right this moment, before you leave the parking lot, you will encounter someone who needs help getting up. that's, That's what we're called to be for one another, to help each other get up. And life is just not predictable enough to put up a sign that says, I'm gonna help you get up this week. But what if you were sitting around every week, every two weeks with a group of people? So no matter, no matter what happens in this circle, we're gonna be the people who help you get up. So one of the tragedies that happens, not just in our community, but in all church communities, happened to us this last week. Uh, There's a a family that my wife and I have spent some time with and they're going through some difficult things and she ended up leaving her husband uh, and didn't have a place to go and it was really the best thing for her to leave. And she didn't have a place to go. Or at least she didn't think she had a place to go. And so you know what she did? She and her children spent the rest of the week at a women's shelter in this church, in our church. Let me tell you, that should never happen, ever. And here's the secret of church life. I'm going to just let you in on it. People like me, Titus, Jim, Paul, there are just too many of us, too many people in this community for us to do it all that we have to carry each other. That we get to carry each other. We get to help each other up. Ecclesiastes, 10 says this, says, but who will help the pitiful person who falls down alone? So this is a question for you. How pitiful do you want your life to be? Because things that cause you to fall down must happen. You will fall down but how pitiful, how miserable the NIV translates it. Is it for the person who falls down alone? So a couple of things that you need to do. And the first one that I'm gonna give you, everybody needs to do, and everybody needs to do it right now. So get out your phone. No, get out your phone. Don't act like you don't have them. If I'd have been more boring, you would have been on Facebook five minutes ago. <laughs> Get out your phone. And I want you to text, update me to nine seven zero zero zero. And all that's gonna do is that's going to send you to a link where you can update your information that we have, because here's another thing that happens quite a bit. I will want to send someone a note And I will look at our database to try to send them a note and I will get their address and I will write my note and I'll send it and it'll come back to me in a week because it's the wrong address because they moved. And it's the wrong address because you checked your kids in to the kids program four years ago and you never updated anything and you've moved since then or anything like that. And then you look around one day and you're like, oh, you know what? No one ever calls me. I never get a note. That's because you hadn't updated your information. So we need everybody to update your information. It's so quick, so simple, and it works. I did it earlier this week myself. So uh, if it doesn't work, uh, I'm not saying it's user error, but it worked for me earlier this week. (laughs) Second thing I need you to do, uh, if you are not in a small group, you can connect at the table outside um, as you leave to get connected to a small group, or you can go to this website and you will see all of the open small groups. What you'll see, just just the ones there, we have uh, 80-plus small groups. We need probably 100-plus small groups. Easily could use 100-plus small groups. A lot of them are full. But if you go to this website, um, you will be able to look and see all of the open small groups. And if you want to lead a small, group, a small group, and we need leaders, 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 leaders. We need more leaders than we have. And we're taking as much burden as possible off of our leaders. We're putting content online and video form so you can use that really easily. Uh, but you just email me at this address, at this email address. And, and the same is true for everybody that's on staff at Ecclesia. It's just their first and last name at EcclesiaHouston.org. So if you're ever looking for any of us, if you ever have a question, that's what you need to do. So when I was 15, my parents got divorced. And it was a pretty amical divorce. I still joke with people that for years after my parents got divorced, uh, they would still go to class reunions and on vacations together. It's the weird, it was a weird marriage, it was a weird divorce. And they did that up until my, my dad got remarried. And they were pretty quiet about it because that was a time in, in church world where you didn't talk very much about those kinds of things. But in the years ramping up, to their separation and divorce. Do you know what never happened? No one from our church ever stopped by, ever called to talk to my mom, talk to my dad and said, would you just share with me what's going on? In the most difficult seasons of life, We disconnect from each other. And so many times through the years, I'll run into someone and I haven't seen them in worship. We had not connected in a long, long time. And you know what they'll say? Well, I had a bunch of stuff going on. And they'll explain to me how this was going awry with their kids or their parents or with their finances or with their job. And I just want to say to them and I want to say to you, this is what we're here for. This is what we're here for. That all of those, those one-anothers in the Bible to care for one another and lift one another up and bear one another's burdens, all of those one-anothers in the Bible, they're real. And when Jesus left, on the night that he was betrayed, He didn't gather around his disciples and say, hey, hey, guys, I'm going to give you a list of stuff to do to make really engaging worship services. I'm going to tell you how to preach really well. This is how you ought to run your church. This is how you ought to uh, collect donations. That's not what he did at all. On the night Jesus was betrayed, he gathered his friends around the table, and they had dinner together. And he reminded them of who god was and who they were and this was his final gift to us one another and on the night that he was betrayed jesus took bread and broke it and says this is my body given for you and in the same manner after the meal, he took the wine and poured it saying, this is my blood of the new covenant, which is given for you. Whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And that's why it's called communion. Because we don't do it alone. We don't follow Jesus alone. We follow Jesus in community. Creator God, give us a vision of what it is to be your community of people, to care for and love one another, to walk with each other in the beautiful moments in life and our more defeated moments in life. Remind us that we belong to one another That you have given us a gift in each other to carry us forward until you return in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you would like more information, please visit our website at www.ecclesiahouston.org.